Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, it's the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. Uh, what a fun week. And that's this time I mean it. <laughs> I had an interesting week. I, uh, I Did I have one? No, I had two shows. Um... In the in, I've had three shows since the last podcast. No, I've had two shows since the last podcast, but three shows since I recorded last. By the way, come out to Airport Tavern on Wednesday. It's going to be a pretty cool show. It'll be uh, my buddy, a bunch of friends of mine, uh, Lisa Wallen, Taylor Bonzer, the aforementioned. He got married. We talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Taylor Bonzer, my friend Naren Van going to be very exciting and then uh this is where i'm going to be at coming up it's going to be a busy busy stretch um to, oh, by the way my friend todd royce is taking over airport tavern next wednesday todd royce and friends will be at airport tavern and then october 27th i will be in townsend montana 28th billings montana 29th helena montana the 30th bozeman montana November 11th and 12th, I will be at Lincoln City, Oregon. Uh, November 18th through 20th, Tacoma Comedy Club with Andy Woodhull. I'm featuring. Uh, November 26th through 28th, I will be at Spokane Comedy Club with J.P. Sears. December 5th, I will be headlining the brunch show at Tacoma Comedy Club. And then just booked today, very, very, very exciting. The, oh shit, I'm... I'm, 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 by the way, I'm going to try to do a, uh, when Joe List is at Helium Comedy Club, I'm going to try to do a guest spot November 10th. He and I have talked about it. I just got to clear it with the club. So if you live in Portland, if you live in Portland, come on out to that. By the way, if I don't do a guest spot, Joe List is truly my favorite comic to watch. So yeah, go, go check that out. And then, uh, just announced or just, uh, just booked today, December 30th through January 1st, I will be at the new comedy club in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Summit City Comedy Club, opening for Steve Renazzisi of the league fame, also uh, dubiously of having a, a dishonest story about 9-11, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, I'm very excited for that. I've never seen him live, but I've seen some of his, and he's very, very good stand-up, so... Please come see me perform. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun end of the year. We're good. we're ending the year strong. I've, I've made more. I will probably make more money from now until the end of the year than I made all of 2019, which prior to this year was my most successful year in comedy. 
So that's that's pretty fucking exciting. Um All right. So last week I talked a bit about this like kind of dishonesty around I mean, no, it wasn't last week. I think this was a couple weeks ago. I talked about so I I think like uh the oh wait should we talk about sports first i guess that we should get into sports first uh the seahawks lost in heartbreaking fashion <laughs> i had a i had a, a a fun weekend that ended on kind of a weird but funny but weird note which is on friday i went to this um out in aberdeen washington i went to this uh benefit for this this man who is uh friends with some some listeners of this podcast, uh, and he has stage four cancer and they, they did a benefit for him in Aberdeen and it was amazing. Just so many people. And I, I will say this, uh, the line, we brought one hell of a lineup to Aberdeen and, and, uh, we, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun overall. I had a lot of fun performing. I would say it was not like, by the way, the guy that, that invited me down there, I know you're listening. And, uh, I, I almost wonder because we showed up and it was like rowdy. It was pretty obvious that it wasn't going to be like, I wasn't going to convince this, this audience to pay attention to my jokes. I tried. I started out with a couple jokes to give him the benefit of the doubt. Didn't happen. Not a perfect comedy setting. So it's like rowdy. And so I was chucking and jiving. I was giving everything I had. I was trying new tricks, pulling every trick out of the book to try to get their attention. I shit on the town. That was the most, uh, that was the, or chat. I always get shit and chat. Is chat actually the, I feel like chat is, um, I guess I've always thought that shit was the past tense for, for, shit anyway i shat on uh aberdeen i got the only time the crowd paid attention to me completely is when they all booed me for saying that aberdeen wasn't a real city and that we uh if you don't live in one of these cities nobody really knows the difference between westport aberdeen hoquiam and ocean shores nobody really knows the difference so but it was, I mean, I, I gotta say, it was pretty fucking rewarding to be at this thing. And I, and by the way, I don't think that, I mean, they, these, these folks that invited us down there raised a lot of money for this guy. And I guess if I'm going to find out if there's a GoFundMe or anything like that, that you can donate to, because it's a worthy cause. It's a man that just found out young men. I can, you can hear the police, by the way, somebody's laundering money in this room. Um, yeah, a young man to, to have stage four cancer. So it is a worthy cause. I'm going to find out if I can put a GoFundMe in the show notes. So check that out. Uh, in fact, I'm going to send the message right now. If you are getting this message, you know who you are. I'm not going to real reveal your identity, but if you're getting this message, uh, know that I'm, I was recording the podcast while I sent the message. Hold on. Says there a go. Fund me. All right. All right. The, uh, so I went there with my friends, Josh Firestein and Travis Nelson. These are guys that are like 
They're, they're right along with me. These are like, you know, borderline touring headliners. Pretty good lineup to get. We, we, did, we all perform for free. Um, Travis is from that area, so he got a little bit of added benefit that he got to go see his dad. I drove myself and Josh Firestein down, and when we were leaving, it was, like, actually pretty cool to be like, I thought this, and I was like, I thought this, this is why we did it. First off, we were all open, which, look at the 52, 53 weekends of the year, and I think you're going to find very few where Travis, me, and Josh are all available. It's That would be a rare occurrence. So this like confluence of things happened that made it so that we were able to go down there. And then I felt, I, I just felt, uh, you know, it was like, shit, this is like a unique circumstance. I felt like, let's go do this thing. I know it's going to mean a lot to these people. And it did. And they were like very nice. The And the family of the, of the man suffering gave us thank you cards that were very nice. And it felt good that this uh, this thing that we all love to do, that me, Josh, and Travis love to do, and that I know I know it brings people joy in general. I know people like comedy, but that it it could bring people joy in that circumstance. I think was particularly was particularly rewarding. And there's a lot of comedy that's not rewarding. In fact, I'm going to talk about a little bit of it pretty soon. But that was very nice. Um, I've, uh, there's a saying, there's a saying that I like, which is, uh, work for free or full price, but never for cheap. And I do believe that like, this is one of those, this is the work for free thing. Go do a good thing. Go do it. Like I didn't get nothing out of it. First off, I got a beer and a, and some, um, some tacos. I got, a water. I did get a water out of the deal. Josh bought me a cream soda on the way home. Well, I really made out actually, but, uh, I got some fulfillment out of it. I got to feel like I did part. I was part of contributing to, by the way, a very small part. These, these folks raised a lot of money and I don't know what, you know, we're in like this crazy time in the world. I have no idea what treatment costs or what is covered by, health insurance or how much of your income you lose when you're on disability. I was on disability, like short-term disability one time because I bruised my tailbone and I was working a manual labor job. And I think back then it was like 60% of your income, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? These are uncertain times in so many ways. So it felt good to be part of that. And then I go to my in-laws and I'm having a, a good time with my in-laws. We brought my, my daughter got to meet her great grandparents who she's hasn't seen. They haven't seen her since she was like six months old. And, you know, you, you know, I, I think about this maybe too often, but I'm like, you know, how many times, how many more times is she going to see any of these people? I remember when my grandpa was, uh, when my grandpa was sick, he had Alzheimer's. And he had some other health issues also. And I remember, I remember one time leaving the hospital, um, because he had had like a health issue, like a setback. Um, and, and he like, you know, he was at the stage of Alzheimer's where like maybe 25% of the time he remembered who I was. And then he would confuse me with someone else. Sometimes my dad, sometimes, um, 
somebody I didn't even know. And I just remember going like, this might be, this is probably I'm saying goodbye to like the, the sentient version of my grandpa, right? Like this, a body will still exist with a beating heart, but this might be the last time I, I, um, interact with his mind in a way that's, that's meaningful and personal and loving. And that was, I mean, I was right. And he was, he stuck around for another year or two, but it was pretty rough. Like the last couple of years were pretty, pretty rough and pretty, pretty, uh, I think like not his best years. And then my mom actually had some health issues. And so we didn't go see him very much at all because we were, my mom is, you know, you, you got a guy who's, who's, uh, in his mid eighties and has Alzheimer's. And then you, the woman that's taking care of him, my mom comes down with some health, health issues. And this is a woman who I think at the time was like in her late fifties and, Let's, uh, you know, shift the focus. You're like triaging your own life at that point. Right. So we put a lot more of our effort into seeing my mom, ensuring the health of my mom. And I, yeah, I mean, it, you know, these people are healthy right now. My, 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 my in-laws, my, uh, my wife's grandparents, they're healthy right now, but you never know at that age. Like it's so pretty cool, pretty cool. Glad, you know, if I'd have known 18 months ago that we'd be you know, approaching three quarters of a million people, many of them old and immunocompromised and whatnot that had died of this, this, uh, virus. I wouldn't have, you know, I'm just happy and grateful that we have the opportunity to introduce her to, to, you know, to now my daughter's like different now. She's like a human being. She's not this like a little blob that, people hold and they think she's cute, but she's got a personality and she talks and walks and runs around. And my, uh, my wife's grandpa's in very good shape for his age. And he's like, you know, roughhousing with her and playing. And it's just so cool. And I was, I'm in that moment and I'm really enjoying it. And we watch, uh, I watch about, uh, about until five minutes into the fourth quarter of the Seahawks game. And it's just like this moment that's like, it's so cool. You, I was really able to like sit, like go like, I'm fucking enjoying this right now. I'm not going to miss this. I mean, I will miss it, but I'm not going to regret not caring more. Like I was enjoying it. I was enjoying this moment. My, it's my wife's side of the family. So of course I'm not, you know, necessarily as close to them as I am to my side of the family. But this is like one of those moments. This is like a life. This is. We have four generations in the same room, healthy in is in, you know, a trying, trying time in the world. And uh, it was just pretty cool. And then I, I left early. I left with about 10 minutes left in the Seahawks game. <sighs> and I'm. <laughs> I'm driving to this bar to do stand up. And I'm already thinking about how so the poster says uh the game the show's gonna start at eight o'clock or when the Seahawks game ends. And so I took that to mean when the Seahawks game ends, which is what ended up happening. But at eight o'clock, the booker, the feature, the bar owner, everyone's stressed out that I wasn't there. 
And I just know football well enough that I had quite a bit of confidence that if I left with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, I'd be fine. And then the Seahawks game. So this is a, a close game. These are two teams with enormous quarterback issues. The um, indigestion is getting the best of me right now. Uh, enormous quarterback issues. Ben Roethlisberger is on his last legs. The Seahawks obviously are without Russell Wilson, Geno Smith. Did not play an incredible game. Um, and the, so they're running this, they're running the ball a lot in this close game. And they're running clock off faster than you might expect a 2021 NFL team. And the Seahawks have a guy named Daryl Taylor that gets uh, injured and he's, they, they stretcher him off the field. And it's a big delay in the game. And with that delay, I showed up as the Seahawks were about to kick a field goal to tie the game and go to overtime. So I timed it fucking perfectly. In fact, they go to overtime. I showed up early. I made that joke when I got there. And then uh, we watched this game. You know, there's a lot of people in the bar. The game gets over. It's heartbreaking. It's sad. A bunch of people leave immediately because they're they're sad or angry or whatever. And then the show's going to start in five minutes. So the show starts. And it's just like a rough, it's a bar, it's a rowdy-ish bar. And then about halfway through the second comedian set, this lady shows up and just starts yelling at him, even though, like, he's on stage and she's just yelling, like, woo, Seahawks! The guy was in a Seahawks jersey, but... Uh, not great comedy show behavior. And credit, by the way, to Dan, the owner of of Flight Path, Flight Path Bar, the flight, whatever, Flight Path in Burien, Washington. For he's one of the very few bar owners I have ever seen walk over to a patron and tell them to shut up. Tell like he threatened to kick these this lady out during my set. Now. If I can remember to, I'll throw it in because I want. I'm I'm curious. My wife. I told my wife about it this morning. She's like, "How was the show?" And I was like, "Well, it was okay. Um, I had a heckler, and I dealt with it in a way that the crowd mostly liked. But I'm curious if you would hate it. And so I'm gonna. If I can remember, I'm at um right at about 18 minutes on this recording. So I'm going to vamp right until I hit 18 minutes and I'm going to write down 18 minutes. And this is uh this is professional podcasting. Everyone right at 18 minutes here. All right. So, so I was mean, I'll admit I was mean. Okay. Uh, I will say she was one of the most obnoxious hecklers that I've ever dealt with. You know what? It's not going to be there because I want to tell you about this heckler. I, I fucked up everybody. You're getting a, I'm, I'm peeling the curtain back. It will, I will play it in a second. I'll figure out the timestamp at that moment. So don't, don't worry that I didn't play it. Don't, don't tweet at me that I didn't play the goddamn clip. So this lady comes, comes into the place. She's annoying. She's talking. She's yelling. She was trying to make the whole show about her. It's classic, White woman at a comedy show behavior. Why do I make it about race? Because it's always fucking white women. It's exclusively white women. 
I've never had a black woman heckle me before. I've had a I have had black women not enjoy seeing me perform before. Don't get me wrong, but the the hecklers and the annoying make it about me in public people at comedy shows exclusively white women in my experience. And so she shows up halfway through the second comic. The third comic, the feature act of the night is my friend Greg Beachler, who's a very funny comic. If you've seen me, there's a good chance you've seen him open for me. If you've ever seen me headline a show, I uh, I bring him to open a lot. He's he's very very funny. And this lady's not paying attention and she's like she's like coming in mid joke and she keeps going, "I don't even get it. I don't even get what he's saying. It's not funny. It's not funny." Over and over. He does like 20 minutes. My friend Greg does 20 minutes and she's like, "It's not funny." And I'm like, you're fucking crazy, lady. Like, this guy's getting paid to do comedy right now. He's, I'm, I mean, I will vouch for Greg is funny. He's not funny. And she, you know, Greg makes a couple jokes and he does what a good opener does, what I would, what I do as an opener, which is he doesn't like ruin the show, wreck the show. Leave that to me. If somebody's going to fuck up the show with a, an audience member, make it the headliner. Let it be the headliner. Let the headliner choose if that's going to happen. Don't be selfish as an opener. This is my rule as an opener. Don't be selfish. And I'll, I will a lot of times just let shit go. I'll just keep powering through as though that person does not exist or make very, very quick jabs. Just jabs though. I'm not, I don't need to, I don't need a fucking 10 count in the middle of the, in the middle of the mat. Okay. I'm just jabbing to keep him at a distance. <clears throat> And I go up and I'm like halfway through the first premise of a joke. And this woman starts yelling and she's just been yelling the whole goddamn time. And I'm mad uh, that she's there. I'm mad on behalf of every other comic on the show. I'm mad on behalf of all the people in the audience who want to watch the show, which is I'm so happy those people are there. I'm like, that's. Comedy cannot exist without those people. So on behalf of them and, and kind of, uh, and kind of, you know, to defend the product that they're seeing, the show they're getting, uh, I went up a little bit angry and I said a thing, we're going to listen to it. And I, all I want to know is, was I too mean? It's the meanest I've ever been to a heckler. And I will say this before you listen, because you listening is coming up pretty soon. I didn't make any personal attacks. I didn't talk about her appearance. I didn't say I, I focused exclusively on how she was drunk and talking too much. All right. Let me know. Here it is. I've been saying the word millennial like it was the first racial slur I was allowed to use. I didn't think. I thought you'd be on board with that, by the way. You do seem like someone who's going to be screaming racial slurs at an Uber driver later today, just so you know. Yeah, of course. I would play innocent also. I got it. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm fucking yelling at you. Of course I'm an asshole. Have you, have you like, examined your own behavior tonight and you're calling me an asshole? Relax, lady. I know. That's why I'm in Burien. What the fuck do you think I'm doing here? 
you guys being period if I was fucking funny? Jesus Christ, nobody funny lives in Burien or goes to Burien. Nobody's ever been funny in Burien before. Holy shit, I hate you. I hope you drive home. I don't want you to Uber. I want you to drive home. I don't want you to make it though. That's the difference between me and Greg, is I want you to crash and die on the drive home. I know, everyone's enjoying this but you now, and that's how it's been the whole fucking time. But now I'm louder than you. I know, she's hilarious. The part where she slurred all the things she said was great, I like that. What are we in? I thought that, is it Seattle? It's, fucking, it's not really Seattle though, right? This isn't... Now I actually like you and I want to know the fucking geography of this place? Okay, I don't know if that helps me. Boulevard Park? Is this... Is, was Boulevard Park... The, oh, it is Burien, I'm fucking right? Wait, wait, are you telling me that these blackout drunk women didn't know what city we were in? I'm not fucking surprised, okay? I have a microphone! I'm not gonna shut up. I'm literally being paid to do this right now. Thank you. I won't talk to you anymore either. I promise. Alright, I just found out what the word millennial actually means is where we were at. Oh my god, I hate this. It's okay you're being paid. It's true, thank you. I don't even know if that's a person I like or don't like that said that, but I did think about money and that made me a lot happier. All right, you, uh, that'll be, I'm writing down the timestamp right now. You tell me, tweet at me, the Casey McLean, uh, at the Casey McLean. Come on, uh, now I'm, this pen that I'm using isn't working. My whole fucking life is falling apart up here, and it's, it's because of that lady. I blame her. Um, all right, relax, everybody. Come on. I think if I scratch it into the paper, that should be, that should suffice. So you tell me, tell me if I was too mean. Now let's talk about the, uh, there's two big stories that I want to talk about. One is Joe Rogan had this dude, Sanjay Gupta on his podcast, who is like a medical correspondent at CNN, I think. And I, th I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I'm not like, I've said this before. I'm not like a Rogan fan. I listen to, I mean, I'm like in and out. I, I would say I probably listen to like one in every five episodes because he happens to have on a lot of comedians that I like. And then on a rare occasion, I will listen to him talk to a scientist or a journalist, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be for a compelling reason. I listen to the, I will say I listen to the entire Amanda Knox episode. And if I didn't recommend that on here, I'd recommend that. And I also, by the way, there's a guy named Coleman Hughes that I think you should listen to. He did a podcast with this dude, like, I think his name is like Justin Morris, but it's about this, um, this dude was, uh, radicalized by Al Qaeda, an American born white dude radicalized by Al Qaeda. And 
white is important because he was able to use his whiteness. Even even Al-Qaeda can escape their own benefiting from um, white supremacy. It's really great, though. And it, and it really, he talks a lot about the way radicalization is happening in our culture today. And it's really interesting. It can't be Justin Miller, but, or whatever, Justin Wagner? Whatever. Go check it out. It's, it's like truly Coleman Hughes, Conversations with, Conversations with Coleman is the podcast. It's maybe the best podcast I've ever listened to in my life. Now, Sanjay Gupta goes on Joe Rogan's podcast and they talk about, I thought they made like some good points. And what I liked the most, I didn't necessarily agree with either of them completely. But what I liked is that when Sanjay Gupta is probably who I agree with more overall. But there were a couple points that Joe Rogan makes that I think are valid. Like, uh, right now we have this like vaccination. We have this vaccination requirement when vaccination is like kind of an imprecise measurement for what we're really after, right? Like what we really want is immunity. And so if there were immunity measurements and tests available, would we be, would we have a different picture of what vaccination looks like? Would we have a more reasonable conversation nationally about, um, about immunity, about herd immunity, about vaccination, about all of this? I can empathize with a person who already got COVID, who already has immunity, who by taking the vaccine is potentially gaining nothing but taking on some non-zero risk. I think the risk is pretty low, but taking on some non-zero risk. Now, one thing that Joe Rogan talked about that bothered me is he talks about this, this woman who got the vaccine and she... She had, um, she ended up having to have heart replacement and he goes, well, her odds of getting whatever from the, from COVID are incredibly low. And so she shouldn't have gotten the vaccine, but her odds of needing a heart replacement were also very low. This is one story out of millions of vaccinated people. The, the odds were very low. People in general, journalists, maybe most um, damagingly because they have a responsibility. They can't fucking understand probability to save their lives. It's the, the same reason Joe Rogan is saying this, the same reason, uh, Sanjay Gupta is representing the probability of other complications in poor ways. The same reason conservatives are talking about a, a 1% death rate as though that's not if you knew that you were going to, that what one out of every 100 flights you took was going to crash, if, if on average, if you took 100 flights, you would die. If you knew that, you wouldn't be flying. That's not an acceptable. <clears throat> so anyway, I thought it was interesting and I think that you should go check it out. I also think that Sanjay Gupta, so the, the ivermectin thing has bothered me because um, I don't even, I, I think people should be getting it from their doctor. Of course. I think that 
I like I personally I don't know what I would do if if I if I got COVID and I was worried about it, which I would be probably. I'd be willing to take something that's essentially not damaging and that also is a, it is approved for human use. It's been used by many people. Like this type of rhetoric really causes it sows distrust. Um and it seems like the idea what it does, it sows distrust in CNN or, you know, left-leaning journalism, which the fact that I even say left-leaning is a problem. But that distrust isn't just like, oh, well, now I'm not going to go to CNN for my medical advice. It's like, now I'm against CNN. And I'm not, I, like, I probably am personally now. So Sanjay Gupta, um, Joe Rogan confronted him about CNN misrepresenting that he was taking horse medication, which is not true. Sanjay Gupta said that he shouldn't have said that. And then I, I heard an interview of, not an interview, but like an on-air conversation between, I think, Don Lemon and Sanjay Gupta some days later. And he's just a backpedaling, spineless wimp at CNN. Now listen, I am a backpedaling, spineless wimp. Okay. I can empathize, but this guy is a doctor. This guy is speaking to the country. He is supposed to be representing truth and honesty. And this is like, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the uh, Katie Couric did an interview in 2016 with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, Ginsburg said that she was against Colin Kaepernick um, kneeling for the flag, that she was against that, that she thought it was an insult to America. And Katie Couric... Uh, edited it out of the interview now <clears throat> because she thought it looked bad for her thought it was a blind spot etc etc now if you knew that a conservative justice held a regressive view what you viewed as a regressive view you would want to know but that ruth bader ginsburg this person who's supposed to be representing these like progressive ideals so people say that's even more relevant. That's your lady. I don't know. Journalism is very dishonest. It is now. I don't know. I, I've, I need to do more reading about it, but that fairness doctrine thing. I don't think that uh, fairness necessarily improves accuracy, but I think that it disincentivizes lying, like out and out lying, right? Like, like, um, Bad reporting is bad reporting, but biased reporting, intentionally um, skewed reporting caused by bias. We got to get rid of the incentive for that, I think. Now, finally, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is Kyrie Irving and Nick Rolovich. I don't know if that's how you say it. Nick Rolovich is the uh, former head coach of the Washington State Cougars. Kyrie Irving is a point guard for the New New Jersey Nets. New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. <clears throat> Kyrie Irving isn't going to play until either the NBA or uh, New York City change their stance on vaccinations for indoor sporting events. Um, I think it's New York City or New York State is actually the one that's that's uh, causing the problem here. And then Nick Rolovich lost his job as Washington State Cougars head coach. 
I disagree with both these guys. I want to make that clear. But one thing that I respect about guys like this is I respect when people put their actual values on the table and are willing to lose money for it. They put their money where their mouth is. Tucker Carlson is very likely vaccinated. And Tucker Carlson goes on TV on a regular basis and talks about vaccine mandates and, and being, you know, and, and, uh, it speaks negatively about the vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the, um, my problem, if Tucker Carlson feels so, if he feels so, uh, adamant, I'm starting to, I had two glasses of wine before this podcast. They're starting to catch up to me. It's late at night right now. Late at night, my, my, uh, by my standards now. 1030. <laughs> he, uh, he's profiting off of this, like, kind of anti-vax rhetoric and propaganda. And you can't say that about Kyrie Irving. You can't say that about, uh, about Nick Rolovich. These are guys who, like him or not, are actually putting their own shit on the line. And I do respect that. I believe those people, in fact. That's the thing that's tough about modern journalism is I don't believe these people. And part of the reason I don't believe them is because when when uh, Anderson Cooper talks about white privilege, that motherfucker is a Vanderbilt, okay? That guy comes from a legacy-rich family. Fuck him talking about white privilege to working class Americans. Okay? Fuck that. Now, if Anderson Cooper donated all, you know, I'm not saying he should do this, by the way. I wouldn't do this. I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking coward. But I respect when somebody puts their actual shit on the line. Now, I'm not saying that I respect, like, racism when somebody puts that that on this isn't that though this is like this isn't some this is like a relatively mainstream i'm not like i don't i got the vaccine as early as i could because i mean i i'm like i was sick of living the way we were living for a year and um I wanted to go back. I wanted to, as early as I could, get back some of the life that I had before the pandemic. But I'm not like, I'm not like without doubt that the the vaccine could have, you know, potentially for some people long-term effects. Uh, I'm certainly, I certainly believe that both sides are using this vaccine as a fucking bargaining chip and a political pawn, it's disgusting from both sides of the fucking argument. It grosses me out so much. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. I just, when I see people, so there's, yeah, like that's kind of the thing is like Tuck, Tucker Carlson's kind of like elevated above the fray, right? He's not losing money. In fact, this, this fucking vaccine propaganda side that he's on is profiting. He's profiting from it. What's another example of that? Like, uh, um, 
I don't know. I don't know what another example is. I'm fucking tired. But the people who aren't it's the it's the you know politicians talking about soldiers in any way that's that's uh, it's politicians using soldiers for financial and political gain. That's what it is. That that's the type of thing that bothers me. Is like you really believe in what the US military is doing put your own fucking kids out there go out there yourself that's that's when i'll believe that you actually care uh when you're sitting in an ivory tower fucking barking orders down on your constituents fuck you fuck you anderson cooper fuck you dick cheney i don't know i don't know if dick cheney had kids in the military or not uh so these dudes they are eating it they are they are taking their fucking lumps over this. And I think that if you even if you disagree with them, you have to respect someone who's willing to sacrifice. This and there's no doubt these are these are actual sacrifices. You might find them stupid. I disagree with them. I took the vaccine. Uh I think like these are guys that obviously are in a significantly different income bracket from me, but like I also want my family to be comfortable financially. And so it was important to me to be able to get back to work. I also, I want my family to see a happier version of me. So it was important for me to get back to being able to do comedy safely. I took some calculated risks over the pandemic, but it wasn't, I mean, you know, the pandemic year is like the least money I've made in comedy in a long time. True for a lot of people. So, um. Yeah. Ultimately, I put my money where my mouth was when I said that I believe that the the COVID was dangerous, which means that I was not taking high risk gigs. I wasn't getting on planes. I put my fucking health where my mouth is when I took the vaccine. And if you can't appreciate somebody else making a sacrifice, making the sacrifice that you're arguing against, they you say, um, you know, you say it's this is fucking peaceful protest. It's exactly what it is, right? How many people would have been? How many people in this country? How many of you, you person listening, would have been, um, in favor of Nelson Mandela? If you lived in South America or South Africa, how many would be in favor of Muhammad Ali, who was uh, put in prison for dodging military service? Like now he's a civil rights icon. But the reason he's a civil rights icon is because he wasn't then. Not everyone loved him then. Martin Luther King was fucking hated and assassinated, right? Like people are and and it, you know yeah i know it sounds weird to say that about a fucking rich white coach a rich old middle-aged white coach yeah i get that kyrie irving isn't that this isn't like ah it's just so it's so fucking divisive and toxic and um anyway come see me do stand-up comedy please why the fuck do i even have a podcast thank you for listening i'm i'm probably by the way going to feel differently next next week or next episode or whatever. So thank you for listening. I will talk to you whenever that comes out.